So today is uh, October 11th, 2022. So tonight we're going to, this is called Judgment Part 2, and we're going to focus on the ungodly. And judgment is a vast subject in the Bible. The word judge is used 286 times, and the word judgment is 408 times, plus many verses that imply a judgment. Uh, when I talked about this with Barney a while back, he couldn't believe I was going to tackle this subject. And I'm learning a lot, and I don't know everything, and I may not have it all right, but these lessons I use to learn things and study things. So um, always check out everything that I tell you. Check the word and Study for yourself. If there's anything that you don't understand, you feel free to call me or discuss it if you want, anytime. But there are many confusing verses concerning judgment that must be carefully considered dispensationally and rightly divided. If not, we get these ideas like the immortal soul and universal salvation, and universal resurrection, and universal judgment, and even the concept of you die, you either go to heaven or hell. So this just comes from not rightly dividing and studying the word. So we're going to look at judgment tonight. We're going to go all the way from Genesis to Revelation, so hang on. We'll start off in Genesis. Um, I thought this was an interesting foundation to start with. If you look at Genesis 1.26, Genesis 1.26, and I'm just going to hit some highlights here through the first couple of chapters of Genesis. So excuse me for just skipping along, but 126 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. In 27, he says, And so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he, him, male, and female created he, them. I don't know why people don't understand that verse, male and female. Um, so here we have man, as we studied before in past studies, in the image of God and in his likeness, that would be in a state of sinlessness and having the potential for immortality. In verse 2-7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. He didn't have a soul. He became a living soul. Verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And... Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So here we have a tree of life and a tree of good and evil, the only two trees mentioned in Genesis. In 2.15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, 
saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may freely eat, but out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. A couple things here. This was the first commandment. So I don't know of anybody who's ever quoted the Ten Commandments and listed this one as the first commandment. But this was the first commandment in the scriptures. And there is a tree of death, it seems like. If you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. So it seems like we have a tree of life in the Garden of Eden and a tree of death in the Garden of Eden. And in verse... um, 22, and the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. In verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And this word ashamed could be construed as they were sinless. They had nothing to be ashamed of. They were sinless. In verse, in chapter 3, we had the serpent show up in verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, Thou, uh, you should not surely die. So this was the deceit for her to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for your eyes should be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And so she did eat it, and gave it also to her husband, and he did eat it. And here was the first disobedience. This was sin. They had lost their sinlessness at this point because they disobeyed God. And, of course, now they have uh, also lost their uh, immortality and now have become mortal and they can die. So we have um, in verse 7, and the eyes of them were open and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now in verse um, 9, it says they were afraid, they were naked, they hid themselves, and the Lord, Lord God said, Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should eat, not eat? And in verse 12, Adam said, I did eat. He confessed. He he did eat. And in verse 13, Eve says, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So they both confessed their sin, that they did eat the fruit. And then we have the first prophecy in verse 15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thee, thy seed, and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So now we have the first prophecy in the Bible. And it seems we have two seeds here. We're going to have a godly seed and ungodly seed. Two seeds. And he told the woman, this is her curse. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in thy conception. And the curse of the man was the curse is the ground. And in sorrow thou shalt eat of it in the days of thy life. And then um, unto Adam also to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins in verse 21 and clothe them. And this is a uh, a uh, foreshadowing of salvation 
And I think these coats of skins probably came from lambs. Um, if we read First uh, Peter 1, 19 through 20, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was for or was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but it was manifest in these last times for you. So this takes the work of Christ way back to the beginning of uh, the world. <clears throat> so um, there we had the tree of life in verse 22, and uh, that they were excluded from the garden so they could not take of the tree of life and live forever. So they lost their mortal- immortality became became mortal. And so this uh, little, I go through all this just to say that um, in this story of the Garden of Eden, we have eternal life and eternal death. Man's choice. The tree of life, the tree of death. Man's choice. We have the loss of immortality to a state of mortality. So men are not immortal souls. That was lost in the Garden of Eden. And then we have the sinlessness, which they were unashamed, and then they sinned, and they hid themselves because they were afraid and they were ashamed. We also had the concept of a covering, which was salvation through the shed blood of an animal, which I believe was a lamb, or lambs, coats of skins. And we also have the two seeds there in Genesis, the godly seed and the ungodly seed. So let's talk about uh, chapter 4 and the first uh, few verses. We're going to talk about Cain. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And she then she bare Abel. And then Abel brought his firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect to Abel and his offerings, but unto Cain and his offerings he had not respect. And the Lord said, If thou doest well, shalt thou now be shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Well, that could be translated in another way. The sin offering lieth at the entrance. Well, Cain didn't accept that. He refused to do what was required. And the only good thing about ungodly people is they make bad decisions. Um, so not only did he refuse the offering, he went out and killed his brother. And Cain rose up in verse 8 against his brother Abel and slew him. So then Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. My punishment is greater than I can bear. And another way to say that is, this, um, my punishment too great to be forgiven. Is my sin too great to be forgiven? So I call 
Cain, not only was he the firstborn of human beings, I call him the firstborn of the ungodly. He's the firstborn of the ungodly in the scriptures. So, when we talk about judgment, what happens to the ungodly? Now, they're also called in the scriptures several words. There's just a few. Wicked, sinners, unbelievers, evil, cut off, corrupt, blind, lame, workers of iniquity, self-righteous, vessels of wrath, evildoers, foolish, unsaved, lost, dead, seed of Satan, sons of sin, of that wicked one, scornful, shaft, lawless, etc., etc. So these are what we call the ungodly. But remember, we were all ungodly at one time. We were all born dead, condemned. Were we not? But according to Romans 5.8, God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God for that. Well, Peter had the same question in First Peter four seventeen through eighteen. First Peter four seventeen through eighteen. For the time has come that judgment begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So, Peter has the same question. What are the ungodly? What happens to them? Well, the modern concept of people dying and going directly to heaven or hell is not found in the scriptures. And no one in biblical times had such a belief as that. All people, either they went to the grave Everybody died. The godly were said to sleep, and the ungodly were said to perish. And somehow their actions, while they were alive, separated them or judged them into one of these two groups. There was a hope of resurrection for some, a resurrection to where, to where it, it's not clear. They talked about resurrection, but they didn't say to where. Job had this hope. The Pharisees, they believed in resurrection and had that hope. And Christ said in chapter 16 of Matthew that the gates of the grave cannot hold back the resurrection of the godly. So the concept of resurrection was supplanted by the modern idea of one going directly to heaven or directly to hell at death. Apparently, those of the religion of Christianity are like the Sadducees who do not believe in the resurrection of the dead. You can't go directly to heaven or to hell and then still have a resurrection at some point. Deuteronomy 30:19. Deuteronomy 30.19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you 
that I might have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. So here's that word seed again. We have two seeds. We have the seed of life and the seed of death. Roger Dillman probably knows this, that if you put a good seed into the ground, it dies, but it sprouts again. And if you put a dead seed into the ground, a corrupt seed, it dies. It doesn't do anything. It's just waste. So the ungodly obeyed not the gospel. The ungodly choose death by belief. Remember, God said, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. The sin offering is lying at the door. There is a fine line between eternal life and eternal death. What if Adam and Eve had rejected the coats of skin that God gave them? No, we'll just keep our fig leaves. We're fine with our fig leaves. Thank you very much. How many people are like that today and for centuries? How how many people would rather wear their own fig leaves than to accept the coats of skins? Just a fine line. There's a fine line between eternal life and eternal death. Just one decision. One decision. So let's ask some questions. The questions we're going to look at here is, do the ungodly have a resurrection? Do they have a life after death? Are they going to be burning in hell forever? How are they judged? And how are they punished? Well, the first question is, do the ungodly have a resurrection? Well, I can't find one person that says the ungodly have a resurrection, especially a resurrection to any kind of life. Now, we're going to look at some of these verses that are very difficult for people because it appears there are several verses where it says that the ungodly have a resurrection. But we're going to look at those. Just as I cannot find any verse that says the ungodly sleep in the grave, or awake, or hear a voice, or arise. Psalms 1, 5, and 6. Psalms 1, 5, and 6. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Well, that seems to imply there's they're not going to have a resurrection. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There's that word perish. Look at Isaiah twenty six fourteen. 
Now, in context, he's talking here about the lords, which were some of the giants that were over some of the people. But I think it's typical of the ungodly. But he says, they are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. They're gone forever. Won't even remember them. Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 42-44. 1 Corinthians, the great resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Okay, I don't know what happened. Something uh, kicked me off on my phone, so it took me a minute to get back on. Okay. Okay, so I was on 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 42 through 44, and this can only be the godly. This is only the godly people here in this uh, resurrection verses. Let's go to John 5, 28 to 29. This is another great resurrection verse. John 5:28. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So this is all that are in the graves. Somebody is uh, hacking in or cutting in and um, cutting me off again. So it's knocking me off the call talk. I'm, I apologize. I'll try to keep watching for that. So John 25, 28 through 29. So we have here, um, it says, all that are in the graves. All that are in the graves. Does that include godly? godly? And they shall come forth. Well, if we look at the word... It looks like there's two resurrections here. There's a resurrection of life and a resurrection of damnation. So it looks like it's talking about the resurrection of the godly and the resurrection of the ungodly. Okay. Um, look at the word done evil. The word evil there 
is kind of extreme because it really means a foul or flawly. So the people who've done may, may not be perfect believers, but you know they've done some things that weren't exactly right. And the resurrection of damnation, that's the word, damnation is crisis, and that is the word judgment. So this could agree with or compare to the two resurrections in Revelation. There's a resurrection to life. In Revelation, and there's a resurrection to judgment in Revelation. So, John 5, 28 and 29 does not prove that there's a resurrection of the ungodly. What's happening, there's somebody called the village idiot keeps... uh, Cutting in on the conversation, I think it's through Pal Talk. It's not on my phone, so it keeps knocking me off the system, and it's, sometimes it's hard to get back because the microphone won't come up. So I apologize. I apologize. Um, okay, so we were back at um, John five twenty-eight through twenty-nine. Did we cover that? So, can you hear me now? Okay, it happened again. Can you can you hear me? Okay, so this is about the fifth time this guy has uh, cut in and uh, cut me off. So we'll hang in there. Um, did um, did I get through John twenty eight through twenty nine? Okay, thanks, guys. Can you hear me? Okay. So we talked about John 28, 5, 28, and 29. There's two resurrections there, but they compare to re- the resurrections in Revelation. So we're going to talk about Revelation 24 through 5. And they reigned lived in with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Gone again.
Okay, it happened again. Are you are you still there with me? <clears throat> okay. I don't know what to do about this. Uh, somebody keeps uh, hacking in and cutting me off, and it's I think it's through Pal Talk, perhaps. Okay, uh, we'll try again. Verse uh, Revelation twenty four through five. And he lived in and so this is a resurrection to age abiding life in the millennial kingdom. They will live and reign with Christ a thousand years. That's the resurrection to life, as said in John chapter. Well, looks like it drew the short straw today. Okay, I apologize. This this isn't going to work. Uh, this guy's not going to give up. Uh, he keeps cutting me off, and I have to reboot every time and try to connect back to the audio. Can you hear me now? Okay. Well, this is. Um, I guess Satan doesn't want this message to get out. So, well, it's coming up on Pal Talk, so I, um, I don't know what's going on. I don't, it's, it's not coming in on my phone as a phone call. It's just somebody coming on. So we'll turn to Revelation 20, 13, 15. Um, and the sea gave up the dead which are in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which are in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. So this is a resurrection of judgment, as stated in John chapter 5, 28 and 29. These seem to agree. So we go through Revelation 20, 14 through 15. And it says, 
and the death in hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this, these are the ungodly. They were not found in the book of life. So is this a resurrection of dead bodies? Can there be a resurrection of dead bodies here? Um, because it doesn't say they were resurrected at all. It just says they were not found and written in the book of life and were cast in the lake of fire. They may not have been with the uh, people that are in the verses above that. But if you go to Romans 9.22, here's an interesting verse that compares to this. Romans 9.22 says, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessel of wrath fitted to destruction? Endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Now that word fitted, there is interesting word. It's katartizo, katartizo. And it's the same word as mending nets or perfecting the saints and used in many other verses. And uh, I think Bullinger says it means Pieced up together in Appendix 125.8. Pieced up together. So it seems like God is got out of his dustpan. He's sweeping up all these ungodly people to throw into the trash bin or cast them into the lake of fire. And the word for destruction here is utter destruction. Apolia, Apolia, perdition or utter destruction. So if we go back to verse of Revelation, that verse says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. It could mean that God somehow puts all these ungodly people back together and resurrects their dead bodies and throws them into the lake of fire. Total annihilation. That's how I see it for now, and you may not agree, but that's something to think about. Let's go to Proverbs 11.7. Proverbs 11.7 says, When a wicked man dieth, his expectations shall perish, and the hope of the unjust men perisheth. So these are the ungodly. Revelation 18, 11, 18. Revelation 11, 18. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou should give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. Well, that sounds a lot like the judgment of Revelation 20. 
who's going to give rewards to the prophets and the saints, and then, then that fairy's name, but to the ungodly, he's going to destroy them with which destroy the earth. Daniel 12.2 is another verse that some people use to prove a resurrection of the ungodly. It says, At that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book, and many of them shall sleep, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. There's a key word there, awake. Some to everlasting life. That could be Revelation 24 and through 6. And some to shame and everlasting contempt or judgment could be Revelation 20:12. These are the other people, the rest of the dead. That does not prove that the resurrection, the, the shame and everlasting contempt means the ungodly. It could be the godly who are resurrected at the second resurrection in Revelation. Acts 24.15, this is another one used. And this is Paul speaking. And he says, and, and Paul has, he says, I have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, the Pharisees, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This is what the Pharisees, it does not say both of the justified and unjustified. It says the just and the unjust. And those could be all godly people in that verse. But this is what the Pharisees believed about resurrection, so I don't put a lot of weight on that verse. So the next question is, number two, how are the godly judged? Well, who's going to face judgment after death? Only those resurrected to life from the grave face any kind of judgment after death. They all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's said in 1 Corinthians 5.10, Romans 14.10, and Hebrews 9.27-28. So those are the godly. Who will be resurrected to life from the grave? Only God's people, the saints, are resurrected from the grave. Alive. So those who die in Adam, the unsaved believe, have judged themselves. They die in unbelief. The power of the grave holds them for the second death. They have no resurrection to life. They have no judgment after death. So the ungodly, once they die, they're never judged. How are they punished? Well, I have a confession to make, and I might have made this statement in past studies, but I probably got it from the Baptist or somebody. But I was once taught that the only unforgivable sin is the sin of unbelief. I'm 
might have such a thing in a previous lesson concerning the ungodly, but if I did, I repent and I reprove myself for such an idea. The words unforgivable and unpardonable are not found in the scriptures. In fact, go back to what Cain said in Genesis 4.13. Cain says, my punishment is greater than I can bear, which can be interpreted, is my iniquity too great to be forgiven? Is any sin, any sin too great to be forgiven? Can there be a sin that Christ did not die for? I don't think so. And I have a list here of verses. You can check them out, but we're not going to go through all of them. Christ died for every man and for every sin. Joel 2.32 Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever. John 1.7 All men. John 1.9 Every man. John 3.16 God so loved the world. 3.17, that the world might be saved. John 4.42, the Christ, the Savior of the world. Second uh, Corinthians 5.15, he died for all. 1 John 2.2, died for the sins of the world. And in Romans 5.6 says, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Yes, Christ for the ungodly. Christ died for all men and all sin. The ungodly just choose not to believe it. They die in unbelief in sin. Their only punishment is eternal death, which ends in final and irreversible annihilation. If you think about it, any other punishment would rob Christ of his redeeming sacrificial work on the cross. Think of the most vile person that ever lived. You could probably think of several. Christ died for that person's sins. That person is just one decision from death to life. That person is not punished after death. He's just annihilated. The second death and the lake of fire are only found in the book of Revelation. What does that mean? Well, the lake of fire is a figure of final annihilation. The unsaved are not found in the book of life. The unsaved are never resurrected. The unsaved remain dead in the grave. Death is the enemy of the unsaved. We have victory over death. Death is the enemy of the unsaved. Death in the grave or hell have holding power. The beast and the false prophet are ungodly systems. Satan is a spiritual being with powers of darkness. So the second death is a second kind of death. It is, has nothing to do with the death of human beings. 
it is the end of all powers and things that are not of God. So what have we learned? The ungodly have no resurrection to life. The ungodly may be resurrected in a dead state only to be destroyed. The ungodly have no judgment after death. The ungodly are not punished or tormented in death. They're only held for destruction. Now, if I would have wrote this paper in some theological college, I would have got a feeling great. I would have got a big fat F. <laughs> and uh, the English translators certainly give evidence of their doctrine by the way they translate some of these words in these verses. And that's why they're troubling for some people. That's why there's a lot of different thoughts on these verses. And this has created a lot of confusion about the fate of the ungodly. But this is my thinking. You may not agree. You can study it yourself. But this is the way I tie these verses together. And I'm always learning. I'm not perfect. So thank you, folks, for the time. Sorry for all the interruptions. Thank you, Ronnie, if you took care of that guy. I appreciated that because that was kind of aggravating. Um, so let's close in prayer Heavenly Father we thank you for your teachings tonight we ask you to be with all the saints this week we ask you to be with all the victims of the hurricanes and the victims of all the abuse and the abuse of power around the world we are so fortunate to be blessed by you and we ask you to give us strength As we go through this week, in Christ's name we pray, amen.